your Locked On Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast. Hey, hockey fans, we've got a new podcast that will help you get hockey smart. The Crosscheck podcast, hosted by Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark, goes deeper into NHL stories than any other podcast with the help of the smartest minds on the ice. You can follow the Crosscheck podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we are joined by Brett Marshall of the Sound the Foghorn podcast to recap game one and look at some keys for the Wild to take a 2-0 lead in the series. My name is Seth Topol, host of Lockdown Wild, veteran of over 10 years of Minnesota sports coverage, including the last two seasons exclusively covering the Minnesota Wild. Very excited to have Brett Marshall as part of today's show, so let's get right to it with some of Brett's reaction from Game 1 and also looking ahead to the big keys for Game 2. And we've got a treat for you today, Wild fans, as we are joined by one of the hosts of the Sound the Foghorn podcast. Brett Marshall joins us to recap Game 1 of the Wild Vegas Golden Knights series and take a look ahead to some keys for Game 2. Brett, thanks so much for joining me. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going pretty good. Uh, it's Monday that we get to watch three more. I think it's three more playoff games tonight. So it's one of my favorite times of the year. So I honestly can't complain too much. And it's always a good feeling a day after a wild win. Yeah, 100%, especially in that fashion where you're sweating every puck drop, you're sweating every shot on goal. And the wild, to their credits, uh, despite not playing their best hockey early on, come away with a one nothing win to start the series. They survive the uh, the crazy theatrics of Marc-Andre Fleury, and uh, they start the series 1-0 with the lead over Vegas on the road. Uh, just in recapping game one, Brett, what, were, what was maybe your favorite performance of the game? Obviously, Cam Talbot was sensational, and there were certainly other players that, uh, that stepped up and had big performances, but what was maybe your favorite of the bunch uh, from a wild perspective? I feel like Cam Talbot's easy cop-out, so I'll go a different route. I think, and as I mentioned to you before the show, I didn't get to watch the entirety of the game, unfortunately, because I was in the car, but from everything that I could look at on the stat sheet, from what the radio announcers were saying, from what I could read on Twitter, it sounds like Ryan Hartman played arguably the, his best game of the season in a wild uniform and pretty much did everything but score, but I watched him. I mean, it just seems like he was busting his butt to the net to get chances. He was getting open for Kaprizov and Zuccarello, and that line just can ever since it's been assembled, just continues to churn. They continue to control play. And I think he's been a real nice fit. I think he's fit much better than Victor Rask. I think just he's got a little more speed and I think he's a little more offensively minded. I think that's meshed a little better with, with uh, Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And it was just nice to see him really step up in, in, in a big game in the playoffs. And I'm hoping that he can get a goal these next, this next game because uh, it's, he really, he really deserved it after the game he played last night. Yeah, yesterday afternoon, I should say he was uh, he was certainly frustrated after a couple of his um, a couple of his scoring chances that Flurry straight up robbed to the point where he uh, he had some choice words that were picked up by the uh, the NBC cameras <laughs> at least visually. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm right with you. I hope that he gets a chance to to tally one because um, he he was sensational and he was creating chances for uh, his line mates, which is going to be huge for this team going forward in the series. One other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, 
from what I noticed, this is more so not necessarily anything that uh, that reflected in the game tape, but it seemed like Vegas made a ton of uh, of cha- a ton of little tweaks during the game, and obviously they had some players that did not play, so they had to kind of juggle things. But I was really impressed with the way that Dean Evason just stuck to the core that got uh, the Wild to the playoffs and allowed them to. Uh, to kind of navigate through that rough first period and uh, come away with the win. Uh, just how much confidence does that give this team that uh, that Dean was willing to stick with uh, with the winning combo and uh, show some faith in those guys? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that's something that Dean Evison has seemingly done the whole year. I mean, there's been a couple instances where at the end of games he'll ride the players that are playing well, but I think you look at the past and you know guys like Poos Brujo and even Mike Yo. You know, if things didn't work for one period, he'd start going and changing lines and we'd see line changes from game to game. And we never really saw lines that were consistently assembled throughout the year. And especially in the playoffs, it seems like he was always changing things. But I think what we've seen this year and a big part of the reason the Wild have been successful is I think they found chemistry with one another. And I think that's because Dean Evison has given these lines a chance to develop chemistry. I mean, I've, I've even heard quotes from, you know, I, I, the line I call the grief squad with, with Greenway, Eric Snack, and Polino, <laughs> who obviously got the, uh, the game winner last night. But I think I've heard each one of them say they like playing with each other. They feed off one another. They just have learned how they play um, on the ice. And I think, you know, something on that goal last night, you just saw, you know, they saw Greenway coming down the boards and both of them just got into a spot for a pass and, we obviously know, you know, beyond that line where there's some legit chemistry between Zuccarello, Kaprizov. I think you even look back on the blue line. I think each of those D pairs, you think, I think they're all better when they're with the other person. Like obviously it's six good defensemen, but I think they'd be worse if you, if you, if you shuffle them around. So I think Dean just has just seen what he needs to see out of each of his lines and his D pairs. And I think the players know when they screw up and I think they're ready to, to bounce back. And as a, as an opposing head coach and, and Pete DeBoer, that's gotta be just maddening to try to match up against these lines that just continue to churn. And we saw, I mean, obviously they're without patch already. So I think they started the game with, uh, might've been Nozick on that line. And then I think uh, Tuck came in there at one point and he was just trying to find an answer to the wild because after that first period, I th- it seems like they were the better team to me, at least in terms of, uh, in terms of controlling the game. Yeah. 100%. Um, the final one that I kind of wanted to, to throw your way in recapping game one, Obviously, as we saw the last couple of games of the regular season, with the exception of the final game in which uh, a ton of regulars rested, Zach Parisi, another healthy scratch. And I'm of the mind that this situation is going to be resolved one way or the other in the offseason and that Zach Parisi is probably going to be elsewhere. Uh, do you agree? Do you think that uh, that with all of the time that he has spent on the bench here over the, uh, the last week or so of the season that uh, ultimately he will be playing somewhere else when we uh, start up next season. I totally, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think Russo talked about in his most recent podcast, but there was a point this year where Zach Parise was only going to play if Luke Johnson, a you know a, a season-long taxi squad guy, um, if he, the only way Parise was going to play that game was that uh, you know, Luke Johnson couldn't, and or was, uh, was, was claimed off waivers, and he wasn't in Luke Johnson playing. Preezy sat, um, and it sounds like it's just been a, a whole combination of things from quotes to the media. Obviously, we don't know what's happening in the locker room and in private conversations, but his play on the ice this year has been, you know, not what we've, we're used to out of Zach Parisi. But, I mean, it, you're, he's 36 years old, and this is where, where drop-offs can happen um, for, for forwards. Uh, Ryan Getzlaff and Anaheim kind of went through it this year, too. Um, 
you know, it just happens. You get older, the body just can't keep up anymore. And the wild have, I think have of our team that has kind of changed the way they attack the game this year, they've become a, a team that's much more built on attacking off the rush with speed. And that's never really been Zach Breezy's game. He's always been more of the, the four checking type. And I just think the lines that you would want him to fit on are those lines built around speed. And I just think he holds them back in that sense. And yeah, it's just, it certainly seems written on the wall, whether it's a buyout, whether it's a trade, whether, you know, it could even be a potential mutual contract termination agreement, whatever it ends up being. It just seems like you said, it just seems inevitable that, um, he may have played his last game in a wild uniform here, barring any injuries. But I think even in an injury situation, it could be a guy like Matt Boldy and before Parisi. I think that's even maybe come to that point. Yeah, I, I'm, I fully agree. Uh, if Bill Guerin somehow convinces Seattle to take him in the expansion draft, I'll start building the statue the day after that happens. But <laughs> I, I think it'll be something more along the lines of, uh, of a contract uh, resolution as opposed to an actual trade. So I don't know. I'm, I just would like to see some of that cap space uh, freed up if it's me, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. And I, I think especially if, uh, you know, if, if, if you continue to hear that the wild more and more are wanting to keep Matt Dumba. Um, and I think in order to keep Dumba to, and to resign those big three guys in Fiala, Kaprizov and Eck, and if you go and add someone like an Eichel or maybe a Sam Reinhardt <laughs> or a Buffalo too, you got to clear that cap somehow, and you would think that, you know, the obvious decision would be to try to clear, you know, seven and a half for Zach Parisi. That's right now. It's basically just dead money if he's your thirteenth healthy scratch forward. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts exactly. We'll tell you what. When we come back, we will take more of a look at what to expect in Game Two. Some things the Wild can improve upon. Um, and uh, try to take that 2 nothing lead on the road. More with Brett Marshall of the Sound the Foghorn podcast next here on Locked on Wild. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everyone and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. So head to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All at rockauto.com. Continuing our Game 2 preview here on Locked On Wild with Brett Marshall, one of the hosts of the Sound the Foghorn podcast. And uh, we will talk a little bit more about Sound the Foghorn later here in Lockdown Wild. But first, Brett, want to continue. Uh, we recapped game one in uh, our first segment here today and now taking a little bit of a look at uh, game two. And you look at the performances in game one and even the performances of these wild lines uh, down the stretch. And obviously, you uh, are more of a numbers guy than than I am, so I'm sure I'm sure you've seen... Uh, the numbers um, of those lines a little more in depth than I have, but looking at uh, the the traditional lines that the Wild have used um, heading into Game Two, is there any line in particular that you feel needs to 
step up their performance a little bit. I mean, Jewel Eriksson-Eck got the game winner, so uh, he helped out uh, that line, the grief squad, um, as you mentioned. And they play more of a physical style, trying to slow down the top lines of the Golden Knights. But uh, is there any line in particular that, that you feel could step up heading into game two? Yeah, I think the Fiala Rash Johansson line's got to be better. Um, four, four, only, only had four shot attempts at five on five yesterday. Um, and if you're, especially in a guy like Kevin Fiala, I mean, he's a guy you're looking at to hopefully maybe get four shots on goal a game. Um, attempts yesterday, he only had five. Um, and. I believe uh, two of those were, were on the power play. So just, you know, I think that line could really use them more. They also allowed 16 shot attempts. So they were pretty badly outplayed um, at five on five yesterday. And I think, you know, we saw, we saw this line be good down the stretch, um, you know, in that game, that same game where the, uh, where the Kaprizov Hartman Zuccarello line was assembled. We also saw, you know, Rask bumped down with Fiala and Johansson. And that was a game where Rask and Fiala <laughs> kind of brought the wild back in that game and they ended up winning it. I believe in overtime. So that's line that I think has got to be better. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to f- read too much into the Greenway at Felino. Um, they had a down game, I think by their standards, but um, I'm not going to be as hard on that line when they're getting, when they're getting the tough matchup, because yeah, I, I think that Fiala Rask and Johansson are probably getting one of the easier matchups. So I think the attention's going to be, you know, obviously the top line is going to be out there when, when the Grease squad's out there and they're going to have other top players out there when Kaprizov is out there to slow him down. So I think it should open up an opportunity for Fiala. So I, I would like to see them bounce back um, as a line tomorrow. And I think, you know, Johansson and Fiala have great speed. So I'd like to see them maybe just try to attack more with, with that speed and, and you do what they're good at and, and get back to the game that we saw them play um, toward the end of the season when they were a really effective line. One of the criticisms i guess i would say for the wilds uh, at least from what i was able to observe and i saw i saw a lot of people share this same opinion um on twitter in reacting to the game is that it seemed like the wild were attacking mark andre fleury from the same spot in that uh, they were trying to to go to the glove side and obviously that just was not working so is that something as well that uh, that the wild need to uh to shake up a little bit here into game two, or is that simply a product of game flow that, uh, that they shouldn't worry too much about and should just be worried more about getting those opportunities when they present themselves? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, obviously we saw last game that his gloves strong and he felt the need to emphasize that unnecessarily at times. Um, but I, I think I'm always a <laughs> proponent of, you know, it, it might be different than the NHL because these guys can can pick corners like nobody's business. But I just think you're you're more effective when you're shooting the puck low, unless your name's Kevin Fiala, Crook, Kaprizov, and you can easily pick that top corner from you know any angle on the ice. Shoot for rebounds. You know, make the goal, make the first save. The Wild have a ton of guys that like to crash the net that can that can hammer home rebounds. And if if it's not Kaprizov or Fiala, I'd like to see him just maybe shoot low, keep it to the blocker side, look for pucks to pop back out. Because in the playoffs, oftentimes you're not going to see the, the, the pretty goals because teams are going to lock down on defense. You're not going to get you know as many off the odd man rush. It's going to be those garbage goals, the ones you whack home, things like that. And I think that comes when you know shooting the puck away from from Flurry's glove. And I think that might be a, a good key and a, and a good thing to maybe try tomorrow. The defense as well, just sensational, pretty much all game long. Ian Cole had that uh, that memorable block sprawling out to prevent the puck from uh, from sailing across the crease. Jared Spurgeon, um, Jonas Brodeen, Matt Dumba, Ryan Suter. It seemed like everybody had a pivotal role 
in uh, slowing that Vegas Golden Knights offense down. Is that sort of play sustainable here in Game 2, or is it uh, something that uh, the Wild are going to... They're going to have to assume that Vegas will crack it at some point coming up. I don't know. I think that's the the wild strength is their top six. I think maybe outside the Colorado Avalanche, I think they have the best six defensemen in the NHL. Um, and I think that's it's okay to lean on them, but I just you know you can't. I think the biggest key is just to not make the defense do it all. I think the forwards need to continue to get back, continue to help get in the passing lanes, back check hard, pick up the trailers and let, you know, let the defense and make the easy plays and make sure, you know, much like they did last night, just make sure they're clearing the lanes to the net to make sure Talbot sees the puck. Um, because when he's on his game, he's, he's calm as can be. And he makes, he makes those hard saves look really easy, but I think that's part of just, um, you know, the, the grief squad last night was outshot, you know, um, outchanced pretty significantly six to 14 at even strength. But their expected goals was right around fifty percent because they just kept. Uh, it was actually over fifty percent um, because the the chances just were these outside low low danger shots. Um, and I think if each, each line can do that in the defense and and the fours can continue to keep pucks outside and, and make sure that Talbot can see the puck, you know, I think that's going to be a, a big key because this Vegas team can they can strike quickly and they do have some skill guys that that can break open games quickly. But I think they did a really good job of. Of, you know, even though Vegas had 42 shots, I think they did a pretty good job of of containing a lot of those shots um, to de- the areas where not a lot of goals will be scored from. Uh, final one that I wanted to ask you here in this segment, we'll do uh, a little bit more of uh, of previewing the uh, game two matchup in our next segment. Uh, the penalty kill, which I- I'm sure you were as frustrated with as I was heading down the stretch. It seemed like every time the Wild were on the penalty kill, they gave up a goal. But in game one, they were able to silence the Vegas power play, which was struggling coming into the game. Uh, is, is that something that we can hope that the Wild have shored up a little bit better uh, into this series? Yeah, I would imagine, like you said, with it struggling down the stretch, I would assume it was something they probably keyed in on um, before the series started. Um, Vegas at power play this year at times has struggled. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at, you know, teams that usually make deep runs into the postseason, it's usually, you know, three key ingredients that get th- that get them there. It's a good power play, a good penalty kill and good goaltending. Um, if you can get those th- those three things going for you, it's you're usually going to win series and you're, you're going to progress deeper in the playoffs. And, you know, I think they were what was it? Was it just did they just take two penalties last night was all was it just two? Was it maybe three? I think it was just I think they took three was all. Yeah. And it, so, I mean, that, that's probably pretty average, but to kill those off is, is a huge key. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be heavily leaning on those guys like Brodeen, like Eck, like Bonino. And, 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 and I think Suter plays quite a bit, um, on the PK as well. So I think just those guys continue to be smart. Um, and I think obviously a key against Vegas is staying out of the penalty box because for whatever reason, it seems that the wild just don't get calls in their favor against Vegas or that, you know, (laughs) soft penalty calls against or complete lack of penalty calls for. So yeah, um, I think on top of just playing good on the PK, I think it's just, you know, stay out of the shenanigans and stay out of the box. Cause I think at five on five, I think the wild can play with this team really easily. Yeah. I, uh, I fully agree. One final segment, Brett with uh, looking at game two between the wild and the golden Knights. We'll continue with Brett Marshall of the sound, the foghorn podcast next here on locked on wild. But first, I want to talk to you a little bit about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. 
The Stanley Cup playoffs have begun. The NBA playoffs are coming up soon, and Major League Baseball is underway. And you can track every single pitch, every at-bat, at betonline.ag. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action as well. So before the next pitch, before the opening face-off, before the opening tip, make sure to head to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines for even a second longer. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their playoff push. So head to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Final segment here with Brett Marshall of the Sound the Foghorn podcast, previewing game two between the Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights as the Wild try to take a 2-0 lead in the series on the road. And uh, Brett, I want to ask you, about Cam Talbot because he was uh, sensational in game one. And uh, if you look at his playoff success throughout the course of his career, he has had plenty of it. And so are you convinced that he has uh, shaken off that rust that uh, both him and Capo Kakinen showed uh, down the stretch against the Blues? I mean, maybe some of that was just the fact that they played the Blues so many times, but... Are you uh, are you confident that Talbot can take his game one performance and uh, and continue that here in this series? I certainly hope so. Um, that was my biggest reason for pause heading into the playoffs. Is we saw Cam Talbot just go on this just torrid stretch of just awesome goaltending to the point where I thought he deserved to be in the Vesna conversation, kind of late March and then through the month of April and through you know kind of late April and early May, he just seemed to kind of fall off a cliff. I believe he gave up twenty four goals and his final six games. And obviously they're not all his fault, but it just seems like there was just like, it just kind of felt like these Dubnik-esque goals where it was like, ah, it's yeah. a little soft. It seemed like he could have had that one. He's a little off his angle there. He's a little deep into the net. And, um, you know, I, I think he's, he's at his best when you just don't really notice him. He just, he, I, one thing I've always mentioned, um, when I, when I see Cam Talbot playing well, he just looks so calm in net. Um, he just seems to make the easy save. He doesn't ever seem to panic. He doesn't seem to flop. Um, and when you're used to watching Alex Stalock for half a season and then you go to Cam Talbot, it's a pretty stark difference in, in their style of play. And it was certainly encouraging to see him turn away 42 pucks yesterday. And I think that has to give you confidence to let you go in there. You make that many saves, you get a win, you get the shutout. Um, I think that gives confidence for him. And I think at the same time, it's got to frustrate the heck out of Vegas going, man, we put 42 shots on this guy last night and we still couldn't get a freaking goal. So I think it, it works both ways in that you get confidence on your end and you frustrate the other team too. And maybe feel like they now if maybe have to make, you know, that extra pass or maybe be a little more refined on their shooting and, and stuff like that, where I think it, it can make it harder for that team to score. And I think, um, you know, I'm really hoping this can continue because like I said, three, three ingredients to success are, you know, your, your kill, your, your power play and, and your goaltending. And uh, they got two of those three last night with, with the goaltending and the PK. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would love to just see the Wild close this out in four because you know, as a Minnesota fan, I can't take the uh, potential for heartbreak. But honestly, if we can get what we had with um, all but the final game of the night, that being Tampa Bay and Florida going to overtime, if we could get that every day, that uh, that's going to be sensational. So I'm I'm just hoping above all else for a good game too. And uh, I, I'm sure we'll get one. But I wanted to I wanted to ask your prediction for what you think will happen in Game Two. Uh, 
are the Wild able to make it a 2-0 lead, or does Vegas come back to uh, to take the second game uh, here in this series? What's your prediction? And uh, on the Wild side of things, who do you think impacts the outcome the most? That's a tough question. Um, you know, what really stuck out to me today is that the team wanted to practice, and it, it yeah. just seemed... And and not to say that teams in the past just you know haven't cared a lot. It just seems like, and we've seen this through the whole season. The, this team just seems different. Their attitude, whatever whatever Garen has done and, and Everson have done to change the culture, it just seems this team believes in themselves. And we saw it so many times down the stretch too, where you know they'd have they'd have a two goal deficit, but even as a fan and the player, you, you just never have that feeling like you're out of it. You're like, nah, we've done this before. We're going to do it again. And it's how they started the season with you know back to back comebacks against LA, and they ended the season. You know, less those two throwaway games against St. Louis. I mean, they were doing a lot of the same things. So, I think this team has a belief in itself. We know how good they've been on home ice, um, and I think Vegas is going to come out maybe a little bit panicked. I, I could see them maybe getting a little bit away from their structure. I think if the Wild just keep the pedal down and force the mistakes, play their game, um, I think they can make this a two zero series, bring it back home, and and you know, hopefully win one or two more and end the series quick, and maybe maybe get out of here in, in five five games, which would be awesome. But um, as as for impact player, I think um, we I talked earlier, you know, just that that Fiala Johansson uh, uh, Rast line struggle a little bit. I think Kevin Fiala is going to come out hungry. I mean, he's a guy that he doesn't like being overshadowed, he doesn't like being shut down. Um, I think he'll come out flying. I think uh, let's go bull. I think he'll score the first goal uh, tomorrow night. Oh, I love that. I love that prediction, and uh, I certainly hope that you're correct. And uh, I hope that. Kirill Kaprizov gets one or two. Uh, Ryan Hartman gets one, and I hope it's a, a nice, neat, and tidy win to he- send us back to the X with uh, a 2-0 lead. Before we let you go, Brett, I wanted to give you an opportunity to just tell us a little bit about the uh, Sound the Foghorn podcast and some of the other content that you do and share on Twitter so that uh, if listeners are curious, they know where to find you. Sure. Well, uh, I'll start with my personal stuff. So uh, at B underscore Marsh 92 on Twitter, um, a big goal of mine this year was to help wild fans um, better understand analytics. Um, there's something that I really got into kind of throughout COVID and just started to read more about and just found interesting in a way to, because, you know, the wild have always been a team that maybe doesn't look as good to the eye, but on, you know, on, you know, when you track the advanced stats and stuff, they have a lot of players that really do a lot of things well that you don't always notice. So I wanted to try to bring some, some more of that just to, to the common fan and just to, try to explain things a little better and, and, and explain advanced stats in the way I think of them and hopefully the way that fans understand them. And I think, you know, I've, I've been able to do that um, pretty well this year. I've, you know, implemented uh, player cards in a, a, uh, a game score per se called uh, the player contribution score, which just quantifies a player's game based on both traditional statistics, you know, shots plus minus goals, assists, you know, penalties drawn and whatever. And then also, Advanced analytics like they're on ice, expected goals, their 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 shot attempt differentials, um, high danger chances, things along those marks that just really give you a feel for, you know, how how much a player did contribute to a win or maybe how bad he was in a loss. And I think more often than not this year, I think people have agreed that you know when when a player plays good, that seems to show up, and when they've played bad, it seems to show up as well. So those are fun. I usually post them um, after every wild game, usually within half hour, forty five minutes of the conclusion of the game. Um, and then on the podcast side, Sound the Foghorn, we are a weekly podcast. Um, I host with two awesome other guys in uh, Justin Bakke and Zeke Boyat. Uh, we're actually recording our next episode tonight. Uh, we're typically a Thursday night show that, you know, we usually ready Friday morning. But uh, 
I was out of town on Thursday night this week, so we uh, pushed it back a couple days, and we'll be uh, previewing you know, the Wilds playoff season as a whole. We'll be talking Jack Eichel, uh, Sam Reinhart a little bit. Uh, we'll have a little bit more on the prospect update. We'll be talking Parisi. So uh, all the hot topics we'll cover tonight. So uh, we have really fun. But, uh, yeah, we'll be going through probably at least through the draft here um, at a minimum. So we got we have a couple fun uh, off-season ideas too for whenever that comes. So looking forward to it. It's been, it's been a really fun uh, podcast with, uh, with Justin and Zeke. Absolutely, and we'll make sure to uh, to have you back on. We'll uh, we'll try to get uh, the other guys involved as well when we get to the off season. Obviously, free agency in the draft, as you mentioned, a lot to discuss. But we've got a playoff series to win before we get there. So uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, appreciate having you on, and uh, hopefully, we get a chance to uh, see the Wilds uh, grab a two zero lead. That's what I'm hoping for. Thanks for having me. That will conclude today's episode of Lockdown Wild. Huge thanks again to Brett Marshall of the Sound the Foghorn podcast for joining us to preview Game 2, which is tonight at 9 o'clock. Hopefully the Wilds can get off to that 2-0 series lead. Whether it's a win or a loss, we'll make sure to recap it in full for you tomorrow. Also make sure to check out the Locked On Golden Knights podcast to get some intel on the Vegas Golden Knights side of things heading into tonight's game. Enjoy the rest of your day. Go wild. I'm Seth Topal. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Locked on Wild.